welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, Dr. Freaking Aaron Wiseman, mother of dragons, queen of burnout, all around sassafras. <laughs> Today, I'm talking to one of my very best BFFs. We both admit that we are a little bit low energy today, but you know what? We come in all different shades and colors. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation between me and Dr. Robin Alley Hay. Guys, I am so honored today to sit down with one of my favorite friends. If you haven't heard the story of how I met the amazing Dr. Robin Ali Hay, let me tell you. I was perusing the internet as I do from time to time, and I came across an article about an OBGYN that was writing about her younger self and all the thoughts that she had and what was going on in her life. And I sat back and I thought, this woman is me. And so I contacted her just out of the blue and said, your article meant so much to me. And that's where it all kind of started. So I'm so grateful to bring back my friend, my fellow coach, my mother elephant, who anytime I need it is there to to give me a little hug on the tr- with the trunk and a little smack on the ass to get moving. And so I hope that you glean so much out of this conversation today. Hey, Robin, it's good for you to be here. Oh, hey, Aaron. It's so good to be here. And it's always good to see you. Look forward to shooting the shit here. Absolutely. Well, for the people who haven't been longtime Dr. B First followers, tell them a little about yourself and the magic you put into the world. Well, I am in my later part of my career. I'm an OBGYN and I'm currently mostly retired, except for a project I do in the Himalayas, which I do for a nonprofit. And I'm a physician coach. So I have women remember their badassness. Absolutely. Through my coaching. And you're like me. We have some farm animals and yeah. we like to get outside. And our, one of our, we have several favorite F words that we share together. Yes, I we think do. that was what our big bond is. You guys can't see this. This is my screensaver. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. For, it was, it's a picture uh, that Robin texted to me when we were talking about her trip to the Himalayas. So it's all the the prayer flags. So yeah, I look at it often and it brings me calm. Well, I'll admit to the audience, this morning I took way too much time with my alpacas. I was just kind of loafing around and then I was like, oh my God, I got so much to do and rushed here to the co-working to talk to Robin, who then the topic that we're going to talk about is being too busy. So... <laughs> I love I, you were you were with your alpacas. I know. They were fun I mean, this morning. Like if you're gonna be too busy, then be busy with something you love. With my hobby, yes, absolutely. Yes. But I, I really think it's a great topic to sit here and chew up and digest a little bit because there's almost an honor badge that we all wear invisibly on our chest of the I'm too busy or look at me, I'm so busy. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about your badge of honor of busy and how it's changed over the years. Well, I was a busy OBGYN with four children and constantly on the go. Of course, I would use I'm so busy to get out of things, you know, like the PTA meetings and dinner with, you know, other people that you're not that interested in having dinner with and that kind of thing. But I think at some point, I kind of lost myself. I was so busy. I didn't have a minute to myself. And I know that's real familiar for a lot of women physicians. 
you know, there's the practice and all that it, that takes. And then there's at home, you get home and then there's every chore that you have to do before even seeing your children. So that was kind of my life for a while. And um, I lost myself and, you know, it really impacted my whole life, like my marriage, my practice, uh, my relationship with my kids, all of that because I was so busy. I feel like busyness goes through different stages. Like when you are first a medical student, to be busy shows like that you're a good student. Like, look how busy I am. Like I spent three extra hours in the ICU and you know what I mean? And you're like talking to your family and telling them about, you know, all the things that you're doing. And I don't know about for you, but for me, it really fed into the like, pathological layers of perfectionism. Mm -hmm. It fed into my family of origin, the story of like, if you work hard enough, everything will work out. So I was trying to like, over busy myself to make everything work out. And and like you, I'm right there. I I 100% lost myself behind the white coat. And Mm -hmm. I didn't even know who I was, you know, when I was to the point where I was like, I have to get this off of me. But then it was like, but who am I without it? And that was scary, but it was also really freeing to go through that process, which took me a number of years. But I have always still felt the busyness still clinging on until about the last 18 months. And we can get into that a little bit later. But I think busyness takes on different personas for different people. So the people that you're coaching and working with, what do you think some of their their busyness is? Like avoidance? Well, that's what I wonder. Sometimes when you're so busy and you feel like you're losing yourself, it's kind of like stop, just stop and say, you know, what could I be avoiding here? And, you know, I know it's a ubiquitous problem. I mean, I was on a call with a client yesterday and she went to part time because she only wanted to work 50 hours a week. I mean, what other profession has that, right? So I think it's important that you schedule your white space. and Yeah, and talk a little bit about that because I talk about white space and how my brain sees it. But talk about like, what's your definition of white space? I would say it's like um, at least an hour and it is just time for me to do whatever I want. And it's time for me to be quiet, not doing anything, but maybe reading or, you know, some kind of quiet activity with myself. I also like to draw. So it might be doing that. That's what my white space is. What's yours? I think about white space and the definition of the like architect, architectural context of where it's, you actually make a room feel bigger and fuller by having less. So like, if you think about like an art museum, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's really kind of bland if you think about art galleries and art museums, but yet with the way that they do the lighting and how the spacing is, it really like sets the calm and the mood. The other way I look at white space is literally on my calendar. Like when there is a block of time that is just a chunk that just says like hold or white space or rest. And like holding that for me is like a sacred space of like, no, don't put in phone calls there. Mm -hmm. Don't go try to go to the grocery store. Like this is literally meant for you to like, just be. And that's extremely hard for me. Extremely hard for me. And so 
what I have found personally and with people I coach is like, you really have to start super small. Like sitting for yourself with 10 minutes when you first start doing it is like as bad as a root canal. Like you're just there. Yeah. And so I think like when people try to jump into self-care and and doing wellness for themselves, you know, we all have huge lofty goals because we're total overachievers. Right. And so we like block out two hours or we're like, oh, we're going to do this meditation on our phones, you know, and for me, I almost want to crawl out of my skin when I first started doing that. And so I think white space has to be like white nooks to like start with and they have to be really small and you have to like be there. And sometimes it has to be assigned as homework for us very type A folks so that (laughs) we do it. Right. Because otherwise, then it turns into, oh, I'll check my phone and write that email that I'm thinking of. And then you're off and that sort of thing. And I also think it takes time because you don't see the immediate payoff of white space. I mean, you may have a little bit of like dopamine kick, you know, oxytocin release, laying in bed, reading a book. But like I said, for me, it's been the last 18 months where I can now see all of the white space And also reprogramming my family to understand when mom is doing these things, when mom goes for a hike just by herself, it's not because mom doesn't want to be around you or mom doesn't love you. I just need nature and quiet. And like sometimes I don't even walk very far. Sometimes I just like sit on the ground, just sit. And also letting that be okay, because now I know when I do those moments and I have that regularly scheduled in my life. I don't experience burnout symptoms. I am more patient with my kids. Um, I'm better rested because I can like go into those spaces. So that's what white space is for me. My goal every week, I do what's called tits out Friday. (laughs) And so (laughs) tits out out Friday is literally supposed to be my self-care day. And I'll, I'll admit, oh, probably the last four months, it has gotten plugged up with vet appointments, therapy sessions. You know, I've done a couple retreats over the last couple of months. So it's like that kind of stuff. And all of that stuff is well and good. But I can tell, like, now that we're moving into the fall and we're into Scorpio season, this is the time that I really need to, like, soak it up. Right. You know, and, and speaking about this time of year, I think it's a good time to start with your white space. It's a good time to start sitting down with yourself and just kind of being there with nothing else. And it's a good time to go inward to reflect. Absolutely. Let's talk about, because I mean, I think anybody could get online and Google self-care, you know, looking, I would, I would like to talk about my weird and zangy white space ideas. Okay, Do you have any weird zangy ones? I don't have any zany ones, but I know you do. Oh, I definitely do. Okay. (laughs) Like today's Tuesday. We're recording on a Tuesday. I don't do anything clinical on Tuesdays. Typically, sometimes it has been leaching in. So I've got to strengthen those boundaries back up. But I love going out and lighting a little fire and sitting by my little fire pit. Oh, nice. At like 12 o'clock, just because. Just because. I, I love fire, by the way. So I'm a total fire bug. And it's just just nice to sit there. We have a fireplace in the farmhouse we moved into, but it's not hooked up. So I see that potentially playing in the fire with That's the fireplace. That's cool. Yeah. So that counts. Okay, your turn. 
I have a, um, it's kind of weird, it's a tree deck. We've got this huge pecan tree. I live in Texas. We've got this huge pecan tree. And we built like a tree deck that's up like 10 feet. So I go out there and there's a rocking chair out there. So I just rock and watch the squirrels. Watch the squirrels. Yeah. Didn't you have a turkey that was bothering? Or No, it was a roadrunner. No, it was a buzzard. Oh, buzzard. That's what it was. Yeah, we had a buzzard that was hanging out for a while. He had a broken wing or something. Anyway, what does it mean when a buzzard shows up at your house? I don't know. <laughs> well, you get to watch him during your white space is what I it know, means. But it's kind of like, what am I going to make this mean? Have one show up. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Okay. Another zangy, of course, the alpacas. If you haven't oh, seen yeah, pictures yeah, yeah, yeah. of them, you yeah. know. Alpacas are such cool animals. So they're not huge. They're not like big like cows or horses or anything they're pretty small they're kind of they're a little bit bigger than like goats and sheep but they are so curious and like emotionally intuitive so if you like go into their pasture and you're in a bad mood they will not come anywhere close to you like, really? they just don't want to deal with you no wow if you're hurt if you're sad if you're quiet they will come right next to you and be all up in your business and like see what's going on with you. So they are just, they're really, really cool animals. I've really enjoyed getting to know their personalities because Mm -hmm. the four boys that we have definitely have four totally different personalities, which at first I was, you know, you you get that with cats and dogs and those kind of animals, but these guys are even more, they're, they're even more, you can go even a little bit deeper as far as with that and see like, Who's the smart one? Who's the brave one? Oh, Who's nice. the playful one? Who's the one that needs Xanax? That's Ray Ray. Um, <laughs> I thought you had three alpacas. No, I got a fourth. I wondered. Yeah. So Overachiever. Yeah, we needed a leader. The three uh, little boys we had gotten were rescued, so they didn't really know the ways of the alpaca. They're real squirrely and anxious, and their leader was Ray Ray, and so that that dynamic was just not good. So we got an older guy. His name is Everhart. And he has really, and again, like it's that whole energy, like mm-hmm. chill, that sort of thing. So, so that's my white spaces. Go, their chores are super easy. You can get them done in like five minutes, but just hanging out and spending more time. And I think you can find all sorts of different critters and animals or things in nature to incorporate into your white space rather than just like sitting in a Zen garden and trying to make your brain cooperate and meditate, you know, I mean, that's super difficult for me. And I have to be in the right space physically, mentally to go there. And I think using tools like my alpacas and all my other critters, it helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Nature is just a really good way. Well, you know, that's one thing I notice when I get too busy is when I can't tell you the last time I've really like spent time outside. Right. That's a big big red flag for me. What are some red flags for you when you're getting too busy? I think when I'm avoiding things. I mean, I I use busyness to avoid things. Like if things aren't going well with Mark, my hubby, (laughs) and there's some conversation that uh, I need to have with him, staying busy is a lot easier than a hard conversation. That's one way. One way my too busy shows up in our life is, and I've said this before, like when I haven't, the hot tub is outside. So that kind of counts as some of my outside time, but if I haven't been in the hot tub, I know I'm I'm getting too busy and I'm very much 
too busy for me is more like work addiction, work, workaholic because my drug and I'm not balancing it with the stillness, the quiet, the like, what do you need right now? Instead of, I tend to get into like all the things and all the people that need to be taken care of. Right. One of the things I do in my white space is just kind of write, like journal. Mm -hmm. So if I haven't been in my journal, if it's sitting there and I haven't been in it for a week, it's like, oh no, I need that space. Yeah. And I think it's good to have the red flags because then like, when you do kind of sit back and you're like, something's off, then you can kind of go through your like, okay, have I journaled recently? Have I been outside recently? For me, it's like, when was the last time I completed a book? That's a big thing for me. You know, because it takes time to sit down and read and think about things. And that's another, that was another indicator in the last three months that I was like, yeah, I'm like working way too much because I hadn't finished anything. Right. And I think it takes some trying out too. I think sometimes people that I talk with get the impression of like, you'll just figure it out. But I don't know about you, but for me, I had try a lot of different things to be like, yeah, no, that's not for me. Versus like, yeah, I think I like this. Right. And I think at first, I mean, I've had clients just set a timer for 10 minutes. I mean, just set a timer for 10 minutes and sit there with your own thoughts. And that can seem like torture, but you can get that to extend to just practice at it. Because, I mean, it's like, what are, what are we doing when we're sitting there in our own thoughts? I think we're repairing and regenerating ourselves. But people ask that, well, what are you doing? And it's like, well, I'm not doing anything but being with my own thoughts. Trying to be an observer. You know, for me, it was someone who has severe anxiety, too. When I can see the patterning of my thoughts, like when I can truly sit back and be like, okay, where where is this heading, this train that's, you know, getting ready to derail? That's when I know that I need to be talking to all of my mental health team to be mm-hmm. like, okay, like, you know, I am a huge, huge advocate for coaching plus therapy plus a great clinician. I mean, I think, I think everybody needs that. And whether or not you stay with therapy long-term, whether or not you take medications, whether or not, you know, coaching is something always a part of your life, that doesn't matter. But I just think having that trifecta of a team around you, because Mm -hmm. there are time and place for medications when your brain literally cannot stop during white space. Like that is an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think sometimes we try to then overdo in our white space, like, you know, white knuckle it. When sometimes, like for me, it was about finding a clinician who I could work with and say, okay, yeah, maybe this thought patterning isn't something I control and I do need help with it. And I think that was a big turning point for me. Mm, That's so good. You know, I deal with seasonal affective disorder. Mm -hmm. So if my thoughts are turning to not really great thoughts, that's a sign for me as well to do something to get in touch with my my psychiatrist, mm-hmm. uh, my therapist. So I hear what you're saying there. For and sure. I'm glad we're putting that out there to people because you're not going to just yoga it away. You're not just going to meditate it or white space it away. Like sometimes right. it takes different modalities and, you know, be honest, I definitely have an ego. But it was when I started working at the FQHC that I'm in it and I was like, why would I – talk about the importance of mental health and really try to help people. But I myself won't accept that same treatment. 
right? I mean, that's that's what's trained into us is that we can do it by ourselves. Yeah. And we don't so need I think help. I think that's a thing is like our too busy is our self-treatment. Right. Yeah, definitely. You don't want to stop because then you'll be with your thoughts. Yeah, because what if you do stop? That's the problem. Yeah, exactly. Been there. Yeah. For sure. Well, and because you have so much experience and so much sage advice, I know I poked on you a couple of years ago about your book. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, sure. Like I say, you don't go through years of therapy and coaching and not come away with some wisdoms. So that's really what uh, started this book. I take a quote um, by a woman. They're all quotes by the woman, except for the one quote by His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. And then talk about that. They're on different topics. Like on, let's see, let me think of something that's a really good one. On arrogance, on humility, on busyness, on crying. Those kind of topics are the topics that I cover. And then leave with a thought for the day to think about. So it's called Meditations for Women Physicians Who Do Too Much. And it's available wherever you buy books. Yep. Pretty much everywhere. Yep. Amazon. It's a great uh, gift for yourself, for the people in your lives. Christmas coming up. It's just a nice little stocking stuffer to throw in there. And I know you put a lot of effort and a lot of your heart in this as well. Definitely. And it's a good book to like have at your bedside, you know, to read before you go to sleep or when you get up in the morning. Just give you something to think about. Yeah, it's easy. You don't have to like read it through. It's a like find what you need. Yeah, exactly. Take what you need type of thing. And that's what I say to people too is take what you you need, what you want and leave the rest. When you were writing the book, did you have specific people or events that you were like writing these for? Well, yeah, the, the women physicians that are truly too busy that are struggling with finding time for themselves. Those are the ones that I wrote it for. I say that because I got to read a you know little sample of them and they felt very personal, like yeah, in, your, in your writings that it wasn't just like to the, the masses. It feels very much like a conversation of you talking directly to one-on-one directly to me or to whoever's reading. Absolutely. And they're, they're from my life. I mean, I try to use examples from my life to illustrate points. So it is very personal. And I'm trying not to freak out about it, Erin. You're not? Why? <laughs> oh, just you put yourself out there and it's like, ah, You do out. put yourself out there. Yeah, yeah, you do. It's like standing in an auditorium naked. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. ugh, you get the willies. But also, I think if you hadn't made it so personable, it wouldn't have been so touching. You know, it would have been like so many other books that are just kind of like sterile and like just like surface level. Right. And I, I think this cuts more to the heart of the issues. Well, and I hope it really helps some people. If it helps one person, it makes a difference to me. Yeah. And it makes a difference, too, to hear those stories. Have you had anybody reach out yet and tell you their feedback? Yeah, I have. A couple of different clients have read the book. And one said, I have to go through it again because I read it cover to cover. And now I'm like, there's so much in there that I have to go through it again. And um, the other one, she was like, there's so many lessons in there that I need to listen to. It's like talking to you. Mm-hmm. So Exactly. 
So I'm a, I'm not a journaler, but I'm a like notes in the margin mm-hmm. kind of person. Mm-hmm. And so I do love these kind of books because then I get my notes in the margin. But th- what's even more fun is when you put it aside and then you come back to it later, you know, and oh, you get yeah. to see your own handwriting and stuff. So it's definitely that type of book to to write your your notes in the margin. Well, Robin, it's always so great to sit down, talk with you, to see you at conferences in Physician Coaching Alliance. I just want everyone to know out there that Robin is a true friend. She's got so much sage advice and that I am all the time recommending her for anybody who who wants a coach that can really bring you through some major badassery. Yeah, that's right. That's right. One All right. Badass knows another badass for sure. That's right. The badass in me honors the badass in you, friend. Yes. You too. I've heard it takes a village to raise a child. But you know what else? After raising that child and once that kid has grown up, it takes a community to care for them. Communities are what keeps us sane. They help us heal our trauma. They dance with us when we're winning. Without my online communities, I would have never made it through burnout. And I certainly would have gotten through the shitstorm of this pandemic either. If you too need community, I want to invite you over to my badass Slack group. That's right, I'm not going to be on Facebook, but I do love me some Slack. It's a place where you'll find that you're not the only one. You're not alone. You'll get total validation on what's going on with you. There's a pool of resources. Community is active and rating to welcome you in. We are all helpers who have needs. And sometimes we need to have a community that can surround us, protect us, give us a hug, and lift us up. And that's what the badass Slack community is. So come join me today. Link is in the show notes. Check, check, check.